1: All right, another fantastic open for Mario Ruiz. Laker fans, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Hopefully everybody is enjoying their Monday evening. we got a lot of stuff that I want to get into. Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation, about a half hour away, he'll come join the show. Um, just a quick breakdown of everything we're going to do in tonight's show. LeBron has productive contract talks that came out, I think it was on Friday of last week, Dave McMenamin reported it, uh, but nothing's happened since, so I kind of want to break down why LeBron has not signed an extension yet what is the holding pattern is it a good thing if he does continue to put pressure on the Lakers organization i know i've gone to that before the latest on russ um, best to resolve this situation by training camp yovan buha had an article about that and uh, i want to spend a little bit of time on what the lakers do if they get to training camp and russ is still on the uh, still on this uh, obviously still on this roster there was a report, a three-team deal for Russ that included the New York Knicks and the Utah Jazz. I want to get into the details of that. Earlier today, Kevin Durant told the Nets, uh, he told their ownership, that they're going to have to choose between KD or Sean Marks and Steve Natch, which is the coach and the general manager, how that ripple effect could have, I think, potentially create some opportunity for the Lakers in trying to get Kyrie Irving over here. And then life after LeBron James... What does that mean for Anthony Davis? We'll look a little bit down the road. Uh, Again, another article that was out there uh, discussing that. So let's start here with this was the news last week. We were leading up to the date of August 4th. That was um, August 4th was the first day last week that the Lakers and LeBron James with Rich Paul, obviously CEO of Clutch Sports, that... The organization can have a conversation about extending Bron two more years past this upcoming season. So I do that, and you know the way I kind of best describe it is we have that conversation of, well, what are the Lakers going to do? Is this going to be a quick one? Is it going to be LeBron on the first day, August 4th? He's eligible, and then he signs a two-year, $97 million contract, or is this going to take a little bit of time? Um, Braun is in his final year, so that's worth just under, I think, $45 million. Uh, obviously, he would be 38 years old when this current deal is up. He turns 38, I want to say, in December. And for Braun, I guess based on the collective bargain agreement, he can only sign at this age. He can only sign the, the longest term he can sign is two, two additional years. That's the most that he can put on this extension. And th- this has kind of been the conversation of, I think everybody feels it's going to happen. Nobody is obviously surprised that the Lakers are offering the deal. The only question I would have is this. That was a few days ago, and, you know, we're sitting here now, and Braun has not – he hasn't signed a one-year extension. He hasn't signed two-year extension. He hasn't – there's really three scenarios that you could look at. He could do nothing and just let his current contract expire, and when it does, then decide what he wants to do after this year. Uh, he could sign a, a, a one-year extension and maybe have an option on that second year. So make $47 million for the 2023-2024 season and then have that player option for the 2024-2025 season, which is probably most likely what I, I think he'll end up doing just to have that. Uh, it's up to him to have that flexibility or just sign a straight two-year deal. Am I surprised or shocked that he hasn't done anything yet? I don't know. I guess you could say maybe, right? Like, what's the holdup? What's the hesitation? I mentioned in last week's show how much I love when players of LeBron James caliber kind of – they they tell the organization, like, all right, let, let me see what you guys do the rest of the summer. And then based upon what you guys do, um, what you guys do in the off season, what you guys do at the trade deadline, I like when players – kind of hold the feet to the fire for these front offices and, and make sure that the organization is putting that individual player in the best position to try to succeed and compete for an NBA championship. Bron has pretty much done that for the most part of his career. Certainly did that when he was in Cleveland. And for the Lakers, Lakers this is kind of his first opportunity to put a little extra pressure as he gets ready to turn 38 years old. Now, do I feel that the organization does not have his best interests. To be honest with you, I, I don't feel that way. I, I feel like Jeannie Buss and Rob Palenka and the rest of the organization wants to win as much as LeBron does. And it's just kind of figuring out how you get there. And it's safe to say that there have been um there have been certain predicaments over this tenure with LeBron where just poor decisions were made from a basketball position. And I think the rusting is a good example of that and that is not just on the front office. That's also on Braun. Um, that's also on, uh, you know, obviously those within the organization that have, uh, have the power, they tried something, it didn't work and it happens in sports. You know, I think I was one that I've talked about it. I was optimistic. I thought Russ on the Lakers would work. And I thought they would be competing for a championship in the Western conference. And that didn't, that wasn't the case. And That's part of the, you know, you succeed with certain things and you fail with others. They traded everybody in the farm for Anthony Davis and it cashed out and they won a championship and the wrestling obviously hasn't worked out. So we'll keep an eye on what happens from here um, on this Braun situation. But clearly, at least initially, this wasn't a August 4th was going to roll out and Braun was going to sign something right away. There was not a, and again, I'm going to go back to the, um, I'm going to go back to Dave McMenamin, the wordage or the verbiage that he used, the wording that he used was LeBron James hold productive, Lakers and LeBron James hold productive contract extension talks. Um, there really isn't any other details. Okay, what does productive mean? There really are only three scenarios that could play out the way I laid them out to you. So either. He is going to maybe wait till before the season starts and do something. Maybe he won't do anything. Maybe he's watching with a very, very close eye on what, what happens with Russell Westbrook and what happens in that predicament, in that situation. And maybe that will dictate what he eventually does. If, for example, uh, Russ is traded and Kyrie ended up with the Lakers, maybe Russ or maybe Braun on the next day is saying, all right, we're good, two more year extension, let's keep this thing going. Or maybe it, those things are not connected. It has nothing to do with that. Um, speaking of Russ and the latest situation on Russell Westbrook, I want to read something off. Um, Yovan Buha, the athletic does a uh, call. I think it's like a weekly mailbag, something along those lines. And um, fans will tweet of Laker fans will tweet and ask certain questions. And one of the questions I, I thought this was a, a good conversation about Russ Um One of the questions was basically, would the Lakers keep Russ – how long would they keep him for? Is there kind of a deadline? Is there a date or anything like that? And Jovan said, well, there's a hard deadline. He's talking about the February 2023 trade deadline and a soft deadline, uh, which is training camp in late September – And he said, I think it's in the Lakers' best interest to resolve the situation ahead of training camp when the matter could become a considerable distraction. The Lakers need a palate cleanser uh, heading into next season. By the way, so does Russ. So I want to kind of stay with that for a quick second because we've played out different scenarios around the Lakers and we've played out different scenarios around Russ. And I think there was some hope when July 1st rolled around or – The NBA draft was coming around that, hey, you know what? Maybe the Lakers, maybe they're able to shop Russ right before uh, we get to July 1st or right when free agency starts, there's some moving and dealing and um, uh, there's there's some moving and shaking and the Lakers are able to get the the right trade for Russ. And are they going to have to give up draft compensation? Of course they are. But maybe that draft compensation they feel like is reasonable and it's nothing crazy. And now here we sit. Um, about five weeks after free agency started, and the Lakers still have Russ on their contract. Lakers still have Russ part of the organization. We're on August 8th right now. And I thought that, you know, Jovan saying there's a soft deadline and a, and a hard deadline. The soft deadline is what I'm really paying attention to now. Training camp's going to start. We don't have an exact date or anything like that, but just going by years past. Late September is when um, training camp typically starts. And then their first preseason game, I think for the Lakers, it's like October 2nd or 3rd or something along those lines. We keep talking about so far in this offseason that the Lakers, they're not really forced to have to do anything right now. They're not. There's not a time crunch where they have to get rid of Russ. By August 1st, it has to happen. By July 15th, by September 1st, there's no real date there that exists. It's just... Is there a deal to be done between now and the time training camp starts? But I do feel as you get closer and closer to training camp, there are going to be teams out there that really kind of want to have some clarity with their franchise and the Lakers being one of those teams. So when I say clarity with their franchise, I'll tell you what I mean by that. I think the Utah Jazz really would like to have some type of clarity within the organization. Hey guys, are we moving on from Donovan Mitchell and doing a complete rebuild? Or are we keeping Donovan Mitchell on our team and – We'll still have kind of our star, our homegrown star, but at the same time, Donovan Mitchell's got to understand that we're going to be on the background here for a couple of years before we hopefully get good again. Um, And that's going to be the same thing with guys like Mike Conley and go kind of down the list. Brooklyn Nets is a great example. Guys, I, I know we're here and it's August 8th and we don't have to make a decision tomorrow, but by training camp, have we traded Kevin Durant yet or not? Is Kyrie Irving still on this roster, or is he not? The New York Knicks, Are you? what is your franchise going to look like come next year or come training camp and everything else? So I, I think there's a handful of teams. It's not just the Lakers. There are a handful of teams out there, five, six teams. You could throw the Indiana Pacers out there. The Portland Trailblazers are probably looking, hey, is there an opportunity to go make another move? The New York Knicks, like I just mentioned, the Brooklyn Nets, the Boston Celtics who had a, a great season, got to the NBA Finals, lost in six games to the Warriors. You've heard Jalen Brown's name get thrown out. A lot of these teams want to make sure that by the time they get to training camp that their roster is solidified, that they could at least walk into training camp with the direction that they know they're going to go Um, at least for the first few months of the season. When I say for the first few few months of the season, there's some teams that don't think they're contenders but then play better, and maybe they treat the trade deadline differently. There's some teams that thought they were contenders, but they're playing awful during the season or they had a bad injury. Now, all of a sudden, they're shifting their game plan by the time the trade deadline comes. For a lot of these teams in the NBA that you've heard rumored with the Lakers or just rumors around what they're going to do this offseason, you hope that clarity comes by the time you get to, um, by the time you get to uh, that late September and training camp starts, so this kind of leads me to my next point here. There was an article I was doing the show with Travis this morning, and th- this is I-, I think this is big news, and I think there's some ties to the Lakers here, which is why I'm bringing it up obviously on Lakers Talk. Kevin Durant told Nets ownership to choose between him, Steve Nash, and Sean Marks pairing. Basically, what KD is saying is, look, and, and the owner, you know, we know, Joe Sci, um, KD has been requesting a trade, and, and that started back in, I want to say, June. Uh, we know the Boston Celtics were were trying to make some kind of move for him. We know the Nets couldn't win a game during the season, during, couldn't win a playoff game during the season. They got swept by the Boston Celtics. KD is now entering the first year of a four-year just under 200 million dollar contract he signed basically through 2025 2026 and kd told the front office today according to sham sharania of the athletic that you basically got to choose if you're the owner of the brooklyn nets you either choose between me or your front office and your general or uh, your head coach you're either going in the direction that i want this franchise to go to or you're going in the direction of Steve Nash and Sean, Sean Marks. And if it's Steve Nash and Sean Marks, then I want out of here the way that I requested. When we come back, I want to spend a little time on this because I think what we've all been waiting for and what the entire NBA waiting has been waiting for this offseason is some clarity of what happens with Kevin Durant because that trickle effect that comes from Kevin Durant will affect teams like the New York Knicks, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Utah Jazz, the Indiana Pacers. I mean, it might have effect on five, six, seven, eight different teams is what happens to Kevin Durant. KD moved the chess piece earlier today, and we'll talk about the effects of that, how it potentially affects the Lakers. And then over the weekend, there was a three-team deal for Russ that I want to get into as well. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half
0: Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets pizza, better because it has to be. All
1: right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Um, It was interesting, earlier today, and I spent a little time on this, the KD stuff, KD basically giving an ultimatum to the Um, Brooklyn Nets, and and the reason why I'm going to spend time on this because I really, really genuinely feel like this is going to have an effect on a few different teams, and I think it will have an effect on the Los Angeles Lakers based upon what happens here. This is what KD is asking for. KD is telling Nets ownership, Joe uh, Joe Sy, you're going to have to choose here. Do you want me, the dude that you have for just under $200 million over the next four years, or do you want your general manager, Sean Marks, who I think has been there since 2016, and Steve Nash, who came in 2020, the first year that KD came over, and it sounded like KD wanted him there, uh, you're going to have to pick between your general manager and your head coach or me. And I don't know what the Brooklyn Nets are going to do. I really don't. I think that um, they are holding pretty tough on the, listen, we're not going to just trade Kevin Durant. Uh, just because KD is asking for a trade. No, no, no. We have him under contract for the next four years, and until we get an offer that we feel is the right offer, we're going to hold on to KD. And, oh, by the way, Kevin Durant, you cannot tell us or dictate to us how we're going to run our team, how we're going to run our organization. This is a little bit interesting because I I think what this could do, and I told told, uh, Travis this during the show uh, from this morning, I basically mentioned to Trav that I thought, This could be one of those things where KD is really, really trying to put the owner in a tough position, where he's trying to make it even more, just get rid of me. Just get me off of your team and go get the best that you can absolutely get so that you guys can move on, the franchise can move on, and everyone could kind of start figuring out how to put the pieces back together. Um, Will Kevin Durant be on the Brooklyn Nets by the time training camp starts? Could happen. Definitely could happen. Will he be there with the head coach, Steve Nash, and the current GM, Sean Marks? Could happen. That's all up to Joe Sy, uh, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. And to be honest with you, KD can try to um, try to show his power, which I'm not telling you that Kevin Durant doesn't have power because he certainly does. But at the end of the day, you're not an owner. And I pay attention to this because all I'm trying to see is what happens with Kyrie Irving. That's really the only thing I care about. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. If KD ended up with the Phoenix Suns, now all of a sudden, you know, you could say that the class of the Western Conference has the Warriors and the Suns, two powerhouses. Of course, that makes the road for the Lakers, the path for the Lakers that much more difficult. Um, If you went to the Boston Celtics, well, what are they giving up? I'm interested in what happens with KD, but I'm more interested because based on what happens with KD could potentially change the status of Kyrie Irving Coming to the Lakers, uh, there was there were a couple of couple of things that happened over the weekend, and uh, I think the KD, the Kyrie piece of this is always it sounds like the first option for the Lakers. If the Lakers, if tomorrow they got to pick and choose, hey, look, you're going to trade uh, Russ and you're going to eventually have to give up a couple picks, whether you like it or not. Maybe they're two first-rounders. Maybe it's one first-rounder and two second-rounders. Maybe it's one first-rounder, another first-rounder, but there's a there's a position to swap picks, whatever the case is. But if the Lakers got to choose, they know they're going to have to give up draft compensation, period. I mean, that sounds like that's exactly what every team wants there, to take on Russ's contract and there's, you know, obviously some advantages of having Russ for the final year for some of these teams that are rebuilding so they could get that money off the books by the end of this year. But I think if you ask the Lakers the front office, between what you can get from the Knicks or the Utah Jazz or the Indiana Pacers or Kyrie Irving from the Brooklyn Nets, it sounds like that is their that's their home run hit this offseason if they can make it happen. That is plan A. That is what they feel would be the absolute best position walking in the training camp is having LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, and maybe a Joe Harris or a Seth Curry, one of those other guys to make all the numbers work. It sounds like that is their top, top option. And maybe just maybe a little bit more stress by Kevin Durant to the Brooklyn Nets might make that happen. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, maybe KD ends up staying there. Maybe Joe Josiah doesn't pay attention to anything that KD is saying and Continues to just reiterate, well, we got you under contract for four years, so you're not going anywhere. But I really genuinely believe that the Kyrie Irving to the Lakers is by far their number one choice. may not happen. It may not be the number one um, likely option, but I think from the Lakers' front office perspective, that is, uh, that is what they care about the most. Over the weekend – the Lakers have reportedly discussed a three-team trade for Russ, um, including the Jazz and the Knicks. I, I want to go through this because this was coming from uh, Michael Skoto of Hoops Hype. So I'm going to read off kind of the exact details here because I think this is just a a great way of showing just what kind of position the Lakers are in and that if you're a fan out there, how much you just want to see a deal go down that includes Russ. So this is what Michael Skoda of Hoops Hype had put out there. The proposed three-team trade scenario included Russ going to Utah and getting bought out. Shows you how uh, how much Utah would value Russ. Yeah, yeah, we'll go ahead and bring you over here and you're $47 million. No problem. But then we're also going to buy you out so you can just end up somewhere else. Utah would send Donovan Mitchell to the New York Knicks, a combination of two players including Patrick Beverly and Jordan Clarkson, Bojan uh, Bovon uh, Bogdanovich or Malik B- uh, Beasley to the Lakers and the jazz would receive significant draft pick compensation from the Knicks and the Lakers. The Knicks would also had to part with veteran salary filler uh, Derek Rose to help make the salaries work. So the reason why I read this off. Um, this is another scenario that's played out there. If, if you can get rid of Russ and you bring basically back some role players uh, a combination of two players. So Patrick Beverly and Jordan Clarkson, um, Bovon Bogdanovich, or Malik Be- Beasley to the Lakers, which is kind of how you try to get this done. I'm, I'm just going to refer to this specific trade package. I don't care if it's this one. I don't care if it's Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Um, I don't care if it's some other package uh, I know I, we've kind of talked about this. Kyrie, you feel like that's the cream of the crop of the packages that are out there. But even these second-tier packages that are not plan A, that they're plan B or they're plan C or whatever they are on the list of Lakers as far as compensation goes for Russ and a couple draft picks, all of them sound better than walking into training camp with Russ there. All of them sound better than um, having Russ to deal – I guess uh, kind of put this the best way that I can. It's not just for the Lakers. Doesn't it feel like it's also for Russ? I don't think Russ wants to come back to the Lakers. I mean, his agent basically said that he doesn't want to come back to the Lakers. This is his former agent when this came out a couple weeks ago, all those details that his uh, former agent that was with him for 14 years put out there. Um, it doesn't sound like Russ wants to come back to the Lakers, and certainly obviously it doesn't sound like that the Lakers want Russ back. I'm not telling you, you know, if we're sitting here and the the conversation is, hey, do you want the Pacers deal or do you want the the Utah Jazz deal? Which of these two would you rather have? We'd have the conversation all day long of who we think's a better fit, but I think the conversation nobody is having is, well, I'd rather have Russ than one of those two trade packages. I don't think that has come up at all. And frankly, I don't think that's I don't think that's ever gonna come up. I really don't. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think the position that the Lakers are in and the position that, you know, obviously um, the position that, uh, that Russ is in, it's not uh, – maybe right now they feel like they can be um, – they can kind of wait this thing out and they could be more deliberate with what they're looking for and they could hold on to that draft compensation, kind of just saying, no, 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 we still don't have to give up two first-rounders yet. But I, I feel like as – you get closer to training camp and you're eventually put in a position where you're going to have to make, yeah, I guess you could say a big-time decision. I still find it hard to believe that the Lakers would not give up that draft compensation um and eventually just move on from Russ before training camp starts. I like the way that Jovan explained it about a soft deadline versus a hard deadline, hard deadline being at the trade deadline, but – Man, to to still have him for three, four months during the season doesn't feel like it's of benefit to anybody in this situation. We'll have to kind of wait and see what the Lakers do in that regard and if it eventually does kind of pan out. These are are good questions to kind of go through. So I got Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation coming up next. I want to get from Trevor a couple things I want to hit on. Number one, I want to get his thoughts on the LeBron situation and does he, is he surprised that you know, a few days have gone by, still no extension, or did he think Braun was just going to sign the extension right away? What does this Kevin Durant situation mean and how can that be of benefit to the Los Angeles Lakers as far as Kyrie? And then what he thought of that three-team deal that uh, I was just referring to as well between the Lakers, Utah Jazz, and the New York Knicks. We'll do all that coming up next. Stay right here. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Lakers Talk, 710 ESPN.
0: must be 21 plus and present in present and select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details all
1: right welcome back to Lakers Talk appreciate everybody being a part of the show by the way I know I always say it ESPN LA app uh download it you could catch the show live you could catch it on the podcast um And uh, certainly from a a Lakers uh, perspective, we'll continue to put up as much Lakers content as possible on the channel. Want to welcome in Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation, speaking of somebody who always is putting up great content. Trev, uh, thank you for coming on, buddy. And we kind of, uh, this today was a little bit unique because I feel like the NBA has been really, really quiet over the last couple of weeks. And then uh, Kevin Durant told Nets Ownership that basically choose between him or uh, your GM and your head coach, I just want to get your uh, just initial thoughts and your opinion on this KD news and, and why this could be of interest to some Laker fans out there in regards to Kyrie.
2: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Alan. I, I appreciate it. Um, as far as this this Kevin Durant thing, you're right. It's been slow for so long. I mean, the, well, it's felt like a lifetime, but it's really been, what, about a month or so since we've seen any kind of real movement on the NBA trade market, and a lot of that it was because of the Kevin Durant situation. A lot of teams just didn't want to make moves, not knowing what was going to happen with KD and whether or not they had pieces that were going to be involved in a deal or anything. So it really just ground everything to a halt on the NBA trade front. And now you've got this story coming from, from Sean Strania that that the, uh, the, the Kevin Durant has told Joe Sy that he wants either Sean Marks and, and, and Steve Nash gone, or he's he wants to be traded, I think this could be the catalyst that the Lakers need to potentially get something done with Kyrie Irving if this indeed pushes the Nets to move Kevin Durant, which, I mean, I have a hard time believing that the Nets would, would hear that and just say, okay, sure, and and then fire two people that they've got in, in high decision-making roles in their organization. I don't know, you know about the optics of that, so I would have to imagine this pushes the Nets towards moving Kevin Durant and... Uh, creates kind of like what the Lakers have, what's been rumored to, to be like a soft deadline with training camp. Could be seeing the same thing here with the Brooklyn Nets now and Kevin Durant if this is uh, if this is all accurate.
1: Yeah, Travis, it's interesting because, you know, I, I would say this. My initial reaction to it was, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you know, if you're any general or if you're any owner around the NBA and I could tell you, hey, you can have a top five player in the NBA, however – um, that type five player wants your general manager and your head coach fired. I think there would be a lot of owners around the league that would say, "Okay, sounds good. I'll replace my GM and I'll replace my coach." And for all we know, maybe Josiah does this and and grants KD what he's looking for. But the situation is so much different in Brooklyn. You know, KD came there a couple years ago. Obviously, sat out his first season because of his injury. Uh, I'm sure had a tremendous amount of influence, of course, bringing Steve Nash in as a head coach. We know the expectations behind the Brooklyn Nets last year, and they didn't win a playoff game, and they're not the only ones Lakers didn't even make the playoffs. Do you think this pushes, and I th- this is why I, I'm staying on this, the fact that it's Kevin Durant and he's as powerful as a player as he is, do you think this puts more power towards KD, or do you think this pushes the Nets more to say we got to get this guy out of here?
2: I, would, I tend to believe it's the latter that it would push the Nets to say we got to get something done because it is such a big ask. I mean, we've seen players win over a coach, we've seen seen players win over a GM, but to ask for that specifically to get rid of two key decision makers that's that's a lot. And this is all we got to remember the context too. We've already been hearing that in the next round of CBA negotiations, there's going to be a, a battle over the Durant situation and Ben Simmons, both players who had multiple years left under contract asking out. And yes, the people have pointed and said, this is indicative of the player empowerment era or the superstar empowerment era, but that's going to be a battle where owners are going to want to try to take back some control in those situations. If this is where the way this goes down, where now you've got a superstar player asking for specific team personnel to be fired in order for them to stay in order for them to rescind a trade request. That context is going to matter, too, because that that creates a whole different dynamic in terms of the power struggle between owners and superstar players. So I think the Nets probably hold their ground here, which would mean trading Kevin Durant. But again, you, they have also put out there that they are, they expect to get everything from a team that wants to trade for KD. All the picks, all the young players, pick swaps, all, all that kind of stuff. Is there a middle ground? Is there a, a point that a team can get to where they can give the Nets enough I don't know, but I think that the hope has to be for anybody trying to get Kevin Durant right now that what this does is it allows the Nets to bring down their asking price just a bit to get within striking range.
1: Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation taking some time here to join us on Lakers Talk. So, now I'm mean, it's kind of going to lead me back to the Kyrie stuff because it is sound it sounds like at least this entire offseason that Kyrie is the that's the home run for the Lakers if they can get him. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't come with question marks. That doesn't mean it doesn't come with some kind of headache. But Kyrie is an all-star, period. And if you're able to get a guy like Kyrie for a dude like Russ, that doesn't mean you got to give up draft compensation, everything else, whatever it takes. But it sounds like that's been plan A the entire time. Are you looking at this KD situation? Do you think the Lakers look at this KD situation can you do anything other than just sit back and wait to see how it um how it unfolds i don't feel like there's anything that they could really do proactively
2: no yeah and this is why and like you said this is plan a right getting kyrie irving is plan a you and i have talked about this before that it should be this should be their their plan a this should be their best option this is the home run move as as you said if you can get kyrie irving and this is why they've been patient right this is why as frustrating as it's been to hear trade rumors and nothing happening and talks with the Pacers, but nothing gets done and maybe something with the jazz and maybe it's a three team trade and Julius Randall, all, all this stuff that we've been hearing for weeks here and Lakers fans are beginning getting frustrated that, that nothing's happening. It's just rumor after rumor after rumor, but this is why you're waiting to see what was going to happen with the Kevin Durant situation. Would he continue to demand a trade? Could the situation get worse? Because if KD gets traded, that is probably the catalyst that we need to see Kyrie Irving ultimately come to the Lakers. I don't think the Nets move him until they know for sure what's happening with Kevin Durant. So I do think that this could be exactly what the Lakers needed to ultimately land Kyrie Irving, assuming the Nets do go ahead and, and, uh, and move Kevin Durant. So this is why the Lakers have been patient. And it, it seems a lot more likely that that patience is going to pay off now than it did uh, earlier this morning, for sure. Trev,
1: just, just to kind of – a lot of this offseason has also been about the conversation of the Lakers not wanting to give up, from a draft compensation perspective, two first-rounders. Um, I think there's certain teams and players that would get involved, and you could legitimately ask, okay, well, are the Lakers that much better if a trade – For these two guys or these couple of role players, is that really worth two first-rounders? I think that's fair to ask. Over the weekend, there was um, an article, Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype talked about a three-team trade scenario, including Russ going to Utah uh, and then eventually getting bought out. Utah would send Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks. And then a combination of two players, including Patrick Beverly and Jordan Clarkson, and then it's Bovon Bogdanovich or Malik Beasley to the Lakers, and then Jazz would get you know draft compensation from the Lakers and the Knicks. Before I ask you about that deal specifically, do you, do you feel like the Lakers will do everything in their power by the time training camp starts – to trade Russ, and do you also feel if it comes down to it and let's say the timing is not working in their favor and we are getting close to training camp and we're getting close to preseason starting, h- how tough do you think the Lakers will hold on those two first-rounders or do you think there comes a point where they say, well, we got to just kind of roll the dice and take our chances?
2: Uh, it it may the uh, teams are hoping for because that's been the sticking point reportedly is that the Pacers say they want both first-round picks uh, every team involved wants both first-round picks. The Lakers only want to give up one. The Lakers, we've heard, of, are willing to do a couple of second-round picks and one first to try to bridge that gap. But that hasn't got it done. I think ultimately, if it's a trade deal, I would imagine the Lakers are more receptive to giving both first-round picks in that scenario. But if, if nothing else happens, you'd have to imagine that they'd start feeling a little bit of pressure as training camp gets closer to move Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I, I think that I think ultimately they're going to do everything they can to move him. And if push comes to shove, and here we are, mid-September, and nothing has happened yet, and Kyrie suddenly isn't looking good there, I, I just I have this feeling they'll probably go ahead and make a move somewhere to, to get get Russ out before training camp starts.
1: What did you think of that three-team deal that was that was p- rumored to be discussed?
2: You know, it's it's okay. When I look at the pieces, they're they're not quite as exciting as the Pacers offer. If, we're, if, if the Pacers are offering, say, Buddy Heal to Miles Turner. I think that's a little bit more interesting than a Jazz offer that has, let's say, best case at the Bojan Bogdanovich and, and Patrick Beverly. I think fit wise, both of those guys fit very easily. You know, you, you bring in Miles Turner, and the question becomes, well, does he close games or not? Is Anthony Davis at the five, or do you put Miles Turner on the floor? And then if he's not, are you paying seventeen million dollars for a guy who's not going to close games? You know, there, there's question marks that come with the Pacers trade. Whereas Bogdanovich, Patrick Beverly, those guys just easily slot into ready made roles. It's very it's very simple. But I think the talent upside is simply higher with a with a pacers deal. So I don't think that a jazz trade is bad necessarily or it's it's not what you want or it's a it's a bad fit. I think it's a good one. But I'll tell you the sticking point for me, Alan. Yep it's that both of the guys in that trade are older. You've got a thirty four year old Patrick mm-hmm. Beverly, a thirty three year old Boyan Bogdanovich, and that's what we heard a little bit about perhaps with it being a three-team deal with the Knicks involved, maybe you loop Cam Reddish back in. If I'm the Lakers and I'm going to give up draft capital future picks, you
1: want some I need players. at least
2: some young talent mm-hmm. coming back that can be around long-term because Bogdanovich, Patrick Beverly, for all we know, those guys could be one-year rentals, and we can't say the same thing for the contracts the Pacers will be sending back with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, both younger players. So if Cam Reddish is in the deal, I think it makes the Utah trade more attractive. Without that, uh, I would lean towards getting something done with Indiana in lieu of a Kyrie trade.
1: Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation uh, joining Lakers Talk here. Trev, late last week, August 4th was the first date that the Lakers can uh, talk with LeBron about a contract extension. Um, Dave, McMenamin, Dave McMenamin had reported that the talks were productive between both sides. Are, are you surprised how's the best way I put this here? Are you surprised that nothing's happened yet or were you kind of gauging this as okay well they don't have to sign anything on august 4th there is no real rush to get it done but did you think that something would get done right away and um because nothing has do you think braun is kind of also kicking back and kind of seeing how the lakers work this offseason
2: i mean i i didn't think it would get done right away i think that was the hope because in terms of trade leverage, that probably gives the Lakers the most leverage, you know, that LeBron isn't holding anything over them. He's not waiting to sign an extension until they make a trade or anything like that. But this isn't a surprise that he didn't sign an extension just yet. There's not a whole lot of options out there in terms of of different kinds of deals. You know, really, we're talking about a a two-year deal, whether it's a one plus one or not, or I suppose he could ask for a one-year deal. But there's not a whole lot to negotiate there for LeBron. So really, though, we, we looked at August 4th as a big day, But he's got all the way until June 30th to sign this thing. So there's no rush uh, on the part of LeBron to get this thing done. So I'm not surprised that he's waiting. I'm not surprised that he's going to see how the the roster looks or anything like that. Um, I think it becomes more of an issue, more of a question. If it leaks into the season, if it becomes a thing where, you know, beginning of October it's still not done and then you're fielding questions every night about are you going to sign this extension, that's where maybe it gets a little bit concerning. But as of right now, I don't think this is a problem at all, that they just kind of let, let things play out and then go from there.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I will say this, and I guess I'm not super shocked. I guess if also August 4th, he'd have walked into the Lakers facility and signed a, a two-year deal in, in the player option in the second year, I also would not have been surprised on that one. I do wonder how much of the, let the Lakers figure out what they're going to do with Russ first, and then I mm-hmm. will trickle in after that. I, I I'm not surprised if Braun is doing that, and that's not a threat to the Lakers. and it's not that he doesn't have confidence in the front office. It's just more to do with let's let things play out before I commit anything past this upcoming year, even though I think you know he'll obviously be on the Lakers team for uh, for a couple more years. Um, did you make did you make anything of this? I, I kind of you know at this time of the year you're you're looking at certain stories that come out and um, there was Sean Davini of Heavy reported that some of the Lakers' front office would prefer to explore an Anthony Davis trade value, at least see what the value is, when LeBron James exits the franchise. And That's not going to be for a couple more years or whatever the case is. But do, do, do you think of – has your perception of Anthony Davis, since he started with the Lakers and they won their championship, to where they're sitting today, where the last two years he's played under 50% of the games – do, do you, where are you in kind of the AD future with the Lakers without LeBron James? Do, do you feel that whatever that perception was from a couple years ago was completely different? And do you think the front office also questions and weathers um, or, or puts up the question of whether Anthony Davis would not just be the face of the franchise once, once LeBron is gone, but uh, what kind of peace would he be with the franchise?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it has to. I think it has to. You know, I mean, look, Anthony Davis, when he was brought in, that was the idea, was when LeBron rides off into the sunset, this is Anthony Davis's team, and even there might be a transition of power while LeBron is still on the team. You know, it may become that Anthony Davis does the heavy lifting. That was our thought process when AD was was traded for. But now here we are with multiple seasons where he's he, he hasn't been on the floor, just hasn't been available for the Lakers, not nearly to the degree that they need him. And then when he has been, he hasn't been himself not to the degree that the Lakers need him to be so I think I think the Lakers will be foolish not to question do we need to pursue trade opportunities is there something else is this guy really the player we can build around and we're not saying that the answer is yes that they need to trade him I just think this season is going to be incredibly important for Anthony Davis the player it's going to be important for his relationship with the Lakers as they figure out what it is that he's going to be for this franchise moving forward. Because it's possible that whenever LeBron decides to walk away, whether that's he goes to another team to play with Bronny, he retires, whatever it is, they're going to have a decision to make with Anthony Davis. And it may be that at that point, the best thing to do, if they've decided he's not a 1A guy, that that his availability isn't there or his, his level of play isn't there, then you package him up, you move him, and you start fresh and you start into a rebuild and, and off you go but if he looks like his old self this year if he looks like the dominant defensive force the the knockdown shooter on the offensive end he starts doing all the stuff that we know that he can do then you feel more comfortable in uh, in building around anthony davis but again a lot of those questions are still out there and have to be answered but if you're the lakers you have to at least leave open the possibility that they may need to pivot When LeBron walks away, so I I don't think this means they're getting rid of him. I don't think this means they're trading him. I think it just has to be something that they're thinking of as they're moving forward and evaluating as as we see what Anthony Davis provides this year.
1: Yeah, it's funny, Trev. I've always thought of the moment LeBron got to the Lakers that this is this chapter of Lakers basketball is LeBron James. That's not to say that Anthony Davis is not a critical piece of it, but. Once LBJ decides that he's done or he hangs it up or he decides to move on or play with Bronny or whatever the case is, it's a completely different chapter. And whether you can keep pieces from it, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm with you that, of course, you got to uh, you, you have to look at every option once that day comes. Um, Trev, I really appreciate it, buddy. You were on for uh, quite a while here, and that's because I enjoyed and I love talking Lakers basketball with you. So thank you for taking the time, and thank you for being
2: a part of the show. No, I thank you again for having me, Alan. I appreciate it. All
1: right, that is Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation. Stay right here. I want to give some more thoughts about that Anthony Davis uh, conversation. Plus, NBA.com came out with their Western Conference Power Rankings. I'll tell you where the Lakers land on that. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
0: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And
1: All right. Thank you again to uh, Trevor Lane. Always great stuff from him. Uh, make sure to follow his work on Twitter. Does a fantastic job on YouTube as well with Lakers Nation. Um, just a hit real quick on what he was talking about. It was Sean D'Avino of Heavy. I, I mentioned reported uh, that some of the Lakers front office would prefer to explore Davis trade value when James exits the franchise. Uh, we got a ways to go. Uh, obviously, Anthony Davis contract goes all the way till twenty twenty four. But something to keep in mind. Right, And I, I, I think it's okay. I think Trev explained it best that you got to look at all options once LeBron James is done with his career. And Anthony Davis has also, just based upon his availability, that question, of course, has come up. Hey, can you rely on Anthony Davis to play you 70 games a year? And the answer so far under this Lakers umbrella is no, you can't. So the day that LeBron James decides to hang it up, Uh, The day LeBron James decides that he's no longer playing in the league, um, you have to look at all your options. And I've always thought, I think the more that I watch Anthony Davis play, the more I'm convinced that Anthony Davis, he's not a one, he's a two. He's the Scotty Pippen to your Michael Jordan. Right? He's he's not your, he, he ain't Mike. And LeBron has obviously been a player that has wore a bunch of different hats, but he's been the best player on his team every single year. Maybe you say, well, Dwayne Wade in his prime. LeBron's been the best player everywhere that he's played. Anthony Davis, it was clear that uh, even in that championship run, and don't get me wrong, AD was fantastic in that championship run, but Braun is the that, – that that's the guy that that kind of – um, keeps the engine going. And that's not a knock-on on Anthony Davis. It's just if you're going to win or compete for an NBA championship and LeBron James is no longer a part of the Lakers, how would you feel if Anthony Davis is your number one? I would tell you that you don't got enough to win a chip. Um, but we got some time before that happens. Like I mentioned, this wouldn't happen until 2024. So uh, with the Lakers, where the Lakers are from there, what happens with LeBron's extension, everything else, I think we got a long way to go before that happens. But... I think it would be incredibly fair to also question and put put in that argument or that conversation of um, exploring what to do once Braun is gone. So NBA.com, they did their Western Conference Power Rankings. Could this change? Of course it can. It could change based upon what the Lakers end up doing this offseason. Could it change based upon... Uh, Kyrie coming to the Lakers, or maybe they do one of those trades with the Utah Jazz or the Indiana Pacers. It could definitely change, but as is right now today, let me break down where everybody is in the Western Conference and where the Lakers are. Now, instead of going from number one down, why don't I start with the worst teams in the Western Conference and go up because the Lakers are going to be closer to the bottom than they are on the top. So number 15 is the Spurs. Number 14 is the Rockets. Thunder. Kings, Jazz. So 11 through 15 are all teams that are clearly rebuilding or just have shown year after year, like the Sacramento Kings, they don't have the... Uh, they just don't. They don't know what they're doing. So even if they go out there and they're trying to compete to make the playoffs, they're not good enough to do it. Or the front office isn't good enough. The Jazz, we obviously know, it looks like they might be trading Donovan Mitchell. They already trade away Rudy Gobert. They might be rebuilding. After that, number ten, the Portland Trailblazers and the Lakers are slotted at number nine. So these NBA.com Western Conference Power Rankings has the Lakers at number nine, which would mean um, they'd be back in a similar position they were last year. Where, uh, well, when I say similar position, as in they're on the outside looking in, of course, they didn't even make the playing tournament. This would put them in the playing tournament. Then they got the Pelicans, the Timberwolves at number seven, the Mavs at number six, the Grizzlies at number five, Denver at number four, Clippers at number three, Suns and the Warriors. So some non-surprisers there, right? Like, it's, it's not surprising that you're going to put the Clippers up there, the Nuggets, they're going to get healthier. And then you got teams like the Warriors and the Suns that are supposed to be the class of the Western Conference. Where do they have the Lakers? They got them at number nine. So we'll see what happens as we get closer to the season starting. Uh, Laker fans, as always, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. A couple quick thank yous. Thank you to Michael Funches. Uh, thank you to Laura Romo. And thank you to Mario Ruiz. Uh, I'm back on tomorrow morning with Travis Rogers starting at 10 a.m. If you missed any part of the show, please go on ESPN LA, download the app, and you'll get the Lakers Talk channel right there. Thank you for being a part of the show, and have a great rest of your night.